Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to Marcus Meets, a show available via iTunes podcast for Apple devices or Acast, which works on iPhone and Android. You can listen with whatever type of phone or device you have by heading to marcusbronzy.com slash meets. That's M-A-R-C-U-S-B-R-O-N-Z-Y dot com slash meets. Uh, rating and review on iTunes would also help to spread the good word about the show and make us all feel kind of good in the inside here at Team Marcus Meets. We've made it super easy with a link in the description. Click on that and a review would be greatly appreciated. And if you really want to be nice to us, you can become a patron of the show and get a heap of exclusive content, early episode downloads, input on who's coming next on the show, potentially even ask some questions as well. Uh, just head to marcusbronzy.com slash thanks for that. And um, yeah, get involved if you want to. If not, don't continue listening. Adele Roberts is today's guest. She is on Radio 1 at the moment, on air from 4 till 6 a.m., waking up the nation. Adele's got a really wicked story about her path into radio, especially if you are an up-and-coming radio presenter, you're interested in working in radio, or even if you're already working in radio, like her story is nothing short of inspirational. As well as being a radio DJ, Adele's also no stranger to the clubs, but I wondered, Adele, like how... A radio shows that start at four in the morning, finishing at six thirty in the morning, Monday to Friday, affecting your gigs at the moment. I've started to do more DJing now. Um, now that I'm doing five days a week, so it took a while to get used to early breakfast, but now I can do it. And yeah, I've been DJing out a bit more. How do you readjust your body clock after after doing like Monday to Friday? Monday to Friday early, yeah, and then on the weekend doing doing raving. The Friday is a strange day, so I have. Two sleeps on a Friday, like I usually do. But then I try and stay up as late as I can on a Friday. It's kind of like a battle against the tiredness. But it means that I have a good sleep then Friday into Saturday. Because if I don't do that, I'm up at like four o'clock on a Saturday morning. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't I want am. That. Yeah, you don't. All right, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, first things first, though, you're looking fabulous, man. You're looking Thank better you, than ever. What is your, what's your secret, though? Seriously, <laughs> I tried to get this out of you on the way here. But I feel like there's something I'm missing out on. What, what are you doing at the moment? Oh, thanks, Marcus. I've, the weird thing is, since I've started early breakfast, because it's such an early shift, I've tried to start looking after myself. Because if you don't on that show, I think you suffer mentally and physically. So I've started to try and get myself into a routine in terms of sleeping and eating. And that's all I ever think about now. 
I love sleeping and I love eating and I, and th- that's all I plan in my life. But I've started to try and have nice things in my cupboards and nice stuff in my fridge because if you don't help yourself, I think you're on the road to um, not sleeping properly. And also, it's a really strange thing, but I've noticed on the early breakfast show because you don't, you're up before the sun. As a human being, I don't think you're supposed to be. I think that's really weird. And it makes you sometimes a bit sad. Yeah. And I'd always heard about sad, that condition about people who don't get enough sunlight, but I believe in it now. And yeah. and I have supplements too, so I make sure I get enough vitamin D and stuff. Yeah. And it's just the way you've got to do it, because if you don't, I think you can end up in a really sort of... If you don't take care of yourself on early breakfast, it will destroy you. <laughs> so you have to keep on top of it and plan ahead. Yeah, I'm not going to name any broadcasters. There are certain <laughs> broadcasters over the year, if, if you look at their last show on a breakfast show and you look at a picture of them a year later, they look like they've turned the clock back like 20 years. Yeah. Are you working out as well though? A little bit. I try and be active as well. Um, I get a walk every day. So I live quite far away from the tube station. So I get I get a taxi to work, which is really nice. But that's because the tube's not on. And then when I finish work, the tube's back on. Yeah. And um, I have I live about like 20 minutes away from the station. So that gives me a little walk every day. That's wicked. And then if I can, if I can be bothered, I'll, I'll do a seven minute workout as well. But been a bit shy with those recently <laughs> yeah oh you like what is in a like I'm, I'm curious what's in a seven minute workout it sounds really specific like it's not an eight minute it's not a six minute what sort of like <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> yeah it seems to be the in thing at the start of the year you know when you you do your um new year's resolutions and you're thinking right i'm gonna start looking after myself now so yeah at the start of the year i was looking on itunes and there's loads of seven minute workouts and it's like the clever people have decided seven minutes is enough if you yeah. if you work out intensely for seven minutes a day you're gonna be okay so they just give you loads of probably like actually quite horrific exercises to do for seven minutes and you do them for 30 seconds 10 second rest and you just do it on a loop but there's stuff like burpees which i hate stuff like press-ups which i hate um they don't let you cheat as well and do the half ones you have to do the full ones um there's this one where you have to like almost crouch by a wall it's like wall sits, they call it. And you have your back against the wall and yeah. you crouch down so that you're basically using your thighs to keep yourself up. I hate Ooh. that one. And then the worst one is the reverse plank. I mean, forward plank's bad enough, but a reverse plank, I hate it. How do you do, one. I'm trying to figure this out. How do you do a reverse plank? Yeah, so you? if you were imagine lying on, on your back, but having your arms straight out in front of you. It's like tensing your triceps, really. Sounds like torture. It's horrible. Seven minutes of torture <laughs> yeah. every single day. Yeah. Then a slice of cake after. <laughs> All right, wicked. And uh, yeah, in terms of eating and stuff. Now, we, we were talking about this before, actually. Like, you're so right about putting the right stuff in your cupboards. Are you like one of those people that doesn't shop on an empty stomach? Because I try not to because I'll just fill my basket full of rubbish. So yeah. I'm talking like, if it was up to me, turkey drummers, waffles and beans would be amazing. <sighs> a couple of smiley faces, smiley potato faces Yeah, I might as well. have a go on them as well. You know, you know it. Uh, obviously, you do the Radio 1 Breakfast Show. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so uh, really lucky. It, it's a weird journey that's ended up at this, and I can't believe I'm here, but I'm going to take it and run with it while it lasts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I do the early breakfast show on Radio 1. It starts at 4 in the morning, uh, ends at 6.30, and it's Monday to Friday, and it's the most amazing show. It is absolutely brilliant, and I think the best thing about the show is the listeners. The yeah. people that are working really hard to keep the UK moving while everybody else is sleeping. They are the funniest, hardest working, witty people in the world. And I love them. Yeah, because you're working with the people that are up before people. Like you're working with the grinders. Yeah. Yeah. So and what sort of stuff do you get up to on your show? Oh, yeah. Well, they've got really good sense of humour. A lot of them, even though it's early. 
Um, I think because they just have long shifts and they just need things maybe to pass the time. So we just play loads of silly games. And I will be honest, I think a lot of the show is still inspired by Dev. I think Dev is one of the people that's done that show that's really changed it into a really special club. And that's how it feels. It feels like you've got to work really hard on that show to ingratiate yourself into it. Like the people are already there. And and as a new presenter coming in, you have to get to know them and get to know their sense of humour. But Dev's sense of humour is their sense of humour. And they're just, it's that workplace banter. And and you can like do silly things, but they'll go along with it. Um, And just find really strange, funny stories, things that are happening around the world and talk about it. And they'll always take the mic. And you can't be too serious. If you try and be really cool and you're like, oh, here's a really great specialist record. Uh, they'll always rip it. <laughs> if you say, what do you think of this? That'll just be really honest. This kind of like really blunt and honest and down to earth. And I love that. Yeah. Uh, I love the resident DJ feature. That's a wicked idea. Like you just talk us through what that is, please. Yeah. Again, I don't know who came up with this, but I feel like it was Dev. I feel like it's a Dev idea. It's a Dev idea, isn't it? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And he used to sell it in saying that, um, come and DJ for a bit so I can have a bit of time off. <laughs> but to me, it's a way of us getting to know one of our listeners. And uh, so we have one person that comes on each morning just before six o'clock. So that's when a lot of our audience join the show as well. So it's a really important junction and we hand it over to a listener and we give them a different theme each day. And we're like, right, go and pick your best song in that theme. And we've tweaked the themes uh, recently since I've taken over the show. So we have a My Tune Monday. So that's your walk on music. So if if you want a song playing when you enter that room, what is that song? Um, top of the charts Tuesday which is your favourite number one of all time which is harder to pick than you think I mean if you think of all the number ones that there's been since I think it was like the 50s that the charts started or maybe the 60s yeah um, it's, it's a hard choice that one yeah I mean as a DJ you'd probably look at all the number ones and you'd think that you'd know but you don't you're like oh you know if you could just have one number one it is quite tough where do you where do you go with it? what would your number one be? I'm I'm trying to figure out what mine would be. I know. Well, I was like, it, I was thinking it'd have to be a Michael Jackson song, but then he's had a few number ones, and yeah. then there's recent number ones as well, like Drake's Epic One Dance, which stayed at the top of the charts for 15 weeks. It, there's just too many when when you look back, and and if you went somewhere, if you went on a website and researched it, there's loads of people amazing people yeah i'll go for one that hung around for a little while like share do you believe in love after love i was in the charts forever i felt like that was in for years <laughs> and i feel like she made the vocoder as well she yeah. created t-pain so there was a yeah top of the charts tuesday workout wednesday throwback thursday which has been just sounding epic because it's a song that reminds people of the good old days oh yeah when, when they were happy and free yeah. <laughs> and then uh film friday on a friday and what they just pick film music yeah so it can be um it, it can be something like fast and furious and your favorite song from the fast and furious soundtrack or it can be an actual proper soundtrack released on a cd song but it's just something that's been in a film all right yeah and uh, that that's Film Friday. But the, the listeners, have, since I've started the show as well, have been absolutely brilliant. Good banter and good music. Wicked. Do you want to tell us, like, you mentioned the story. We've got time for the whole story today. Okay. Should we do the story of how you came to Radio What Should yeah. we do it? Because I, I think it's a wicked story because it's, it's kind of cyclical in a way, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Marcus. Yeah. So I never thought I wanted to do radio. I didn't. I'm, I'm one of those people that I never knew what I wanted to do when I was older so when I when I was at school and people would ask you and even when I went to the careers teacher and they were like what do you want to do I never knew and I always loved science and I thought it would be science orientated and at university 
I mean, there was a bit of a, um, a weird patch when I was at school. So I did all right in my GCSEs, messed up my A-levels, ended up going to university to do medicinal chemistry. Why? What? I don't know why. It was what, just like... What did you, you do with that? God knows. It's when you go through clearing. I was like, yeah, chemistry, I'll do that. <laughs> so medicinal chemistry. And then I did that for a bit and I changed over to pharmacology, which is the engineering of drugs. So okay. pharmacists dispense the drugs, pharmacology people uh, make them. So that's that's what it was. Right. And, and I did that for a little bit. And then um, I went on a year out and I'm still on the year out. <laughs> I've got two years of a, a degree on pharmacology. But when I was at university in Leeds, uh, that's where radio started for me. So I never knew I wanted to do radio. I always loved music, always bought music ever since I was young. If my mum and dad were like, what do you want for your birthday? And quite a lot of the time it would be albums, which is kind of weird for a kid. But, you know, they were happy to do that. Uh, so I was at the University of Leeds and I, um, there was like a day when you sign up, when you refresh you and there's loads of stalls and they're like, do you want to be part of our society and stuff like that? And LSR had a little stall. So I thought, well, that sounds good because it's music. So I went to LSR and I said, oh, um, I'm a DJ. At that time, I couldn't really mix. I was still in the process of learning to mix because my mum and dad, even though they were quite happy to buy me music. They didn't really want me to end up in music. They didn't really see it as a proper job. They wanted me to be uh, probably a doctor or something like that. Um, so I'd, um, I couldn't, I never had my own decks, but I used to work at a nightclub in Southport when I was 16. I used to do glass collecting. And at the end of the night, I used to practice on the decks when everybody had gone home. And I used to use the DJ's old records and, and try and learn how and work out how to do it. And it's really hard, especially when you've not got anyone showing you what to do. So uh, I went to LSR and I said, can I have a show? I'll do a mixed show, um, but I don't want to speak. So they were like, that's a bit weird, but yes, you can do that. <laughs> uh, it's radio, you're supposed to speak. So um, I did it twice and it was awful. And I was so mortified and embarrassed and nervous and it was horrible. But looking back now, I'm, I'm glad that I did it. And I'm proud of the fact that I did it because later on in my life, when radio came back into my life, um, I think I, I took a chance on doing it because of my experience at LSR because I'd, I'd done a little bit of radio. So I kind of, um, on my year out, left university, started club DJing. I'd, by this time, I'd learned to mix and it took me a long time, but I, I managed to do it. And I was playing at this house night in Leeds called Speed Queen. Just living in Leeds, just loving Leeds. It's an amazing place. Uh, brilliant night nightlife as well. I remember the BBC doing this search for people to get involved with this project that they were calling network x and i think i'd seen adverts on the tv and they said it's going to be a brand new radio station and we're going to support black music so i was like oh this sounds really interesting and they did some open days around the country and my nearest one was birmingham and it took me two and a half hours to go and i asked my best friend faye to come with me and i said will you come to this day and, and i'm going to see what it's all about she was like yeah no probs so we drove all the way to birmingham took us ages and uh, got in the room and tim westwood was in there and all these what seemed like to me these these really cool people that had like black tops on and Network X was up on the walls and there were some decks there and everybody was milling around and being really confident. And uh, I went in the room, stayed for about half an hour and didn't speak to anybody because I was so scared. You know, I just, I wanted to be there, but I, d I didn't feel confident enough to speak to anyone and, and seeing Tim Westwood just sent me west. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Tim Westwood. So uh, we went home and my friend was like, why have you gone all the way to Birmingham? You've not spoken to anyone. Um, but Network X ended up being One Extra. So I, from afar, just watched the journey of One Extra and I always wanted to work there. And I ended up getting into radio by meeting someone by chance. 
Um, and it was somebody who worked at Choice and he's called Jigs. And um, he said, told him a little bit about myself, told him that I'd, I'd done radio at university. And he said, why don't you make us a demo? And so I went into my local station uh, near Preston, which was called Rock FM. And this is a station I grew up listening to. And I asked my friend who worked there at the time, who's called Baz, I asked him to help me make a demo for Jigs of Choice. And uh, Baz was really, really cool. Showed me how to use the desk, uh, helped me make a demo with speaking this time. And uh, the boss at Rock FM heard the demo and offered me a job. And so in a weird way, Choice FM got me into radio, but it was in Preston <laughs> on a cool. rock, on a yeah. station that played rock music as well. Not just rock music, but more uh, pop music. Yeah. And that's how I got into radio. Wicked. Yeah. And uh, it didn't stop there, obviously, your Rock FM show. What what was it like stepping onto one of, Lan- it's one of Lancashire's biggest stations, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Rock yeah. FM. What was it like first doing that? incredible i mean that was a dream on its own um growing up to me it was rock fm and it was radio one that they're the stations that you listen to if you're from the northwest uh the bit where i'm from and uh yeah it was, it was bizarre it was on a friday night it was a uh, 10 till 2 in the morning and it was a specialist show that played i could pick all the music which now i've learned is very good yeah. <laughs> i mean that was my first experience of mainstream radio and i didn't realize how much freedom i had um and I could do what I want feature-wise. I could play whatever music I wanted, just as long as it was hip-hop, R&B, or dance. All right. So it's kind of like that hybrid, and, and that's what I did. So it was kind of already like a one extra sound yeah. already, really. Because, yeah, so you're already heading in that direction musically. And I suppose you were, were you still watching the growth of one extra while you were doing all this as totally, well? Totally, totally. Like, it's, I think I freak people out all the time at work because I'll talk about things that happened when I wasn't there. And they know I didn't work there at the time, but it's because I used to listen. <laughs> <laughs> and just follow it from afar yeah. oh, so were you around when there was radio one's big weekend still in uh, preston, preston? Yeah. yeah so did you head down to that no i didn't because uh, at the time rock fm because uh, it's a rival station and because radio one's one of our biggest competitors mm. they i don't think they would have looked very favor- favorably on that but i remember people ringing up rock fm all the time saying can you get us tickets to radio one's big weekend and the bosses were like I think that's when you notice that the listeners essentially like they don't really have to know the difference between the different radio stations and yeah. stuff. And uh, yeah, but I, I always found that really funny that people would ring Rock FM for Radio One tickets. <laughs> so you literally like calling Pizza Hut and asking for KFC. Yeah, yeah. Can you deliver yeah. some KFC. That's crazy. <laughs> Did, wasn't there a competition that you entered once and you had to? Yeah, yeah. what happened was uh, I was listening to one extra one afternoon and they had this uh, ticket competition to win tickets to the Mobos and they were gold circle tickets and it was when the Mobos was at the Royal Albert Hall and the question was they played a Mark Ronson track and they said what's the sample in this song and because I forgot that I didn't work at One Extra and I just loved One Extra I think it was Ace and Viz they asked the question and I entered the competition and next minute my phone starts ringing from a withheld number I answer and uh, this lady's like oh you got the answer right do you want to win the tickets and before I could kind of think about it I was on the radio <laughs> live <laughs> with Ace and Fizz playing this competition won the tickets but couldn't go because I wasn't allowed you know my station would have like not been happy with that so my sister went instead of me had the best night ever she, she got to take her friend but somebody at my work heard me on the radio and said was you on one extra today winning tickets I was like no and, and again, when I was on uh, playing for the tickets, I stupidly said, hi, it's Adele from Southport. Oh. <laughs> so it's just like, uh, idiot. But there must be another Adele in Southport. Big place, Southport. Plenty of exactly. Adele's in there, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so you were like still a fan of One Extra while mm-hmm. you were on Rock FM. And, and so what was your journey like from there back onto sort of 
BBC Radio from there. So what was your movement like? Because you did, you broadcast on quite a few stations, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. I stayed at One Extra, uh, sorry, no. You see, this is it. That's how much I love One Extra. I stayed at Rock FM for five years and it was an amazing learning experience for me, learning how to program music, um, speak to the listeners, sell music, do features. And because I... I wouldn't say produce the show because now I've worked with producers. I know that they do really amazing things, yeah. but I kind of almost had to self-produce, do all the phones myself. And it's a good grounding really for somebody that's getting into radio. If um, anybody wants any advice, I'd say get as much experience as you can because it'll stand you in good stead. So I did that for about five years. And then um, there was a boss called Anthony who uh, was also looking after the hits at the time, which is a quite a, it's a digital station, but it's a very tight formatted commercial station and he said do you want to come and do some shows for the hits uh get some experience of doing daytime and again I was really scared but I thought yeah that what an amazing opportunity you know because I was always on at night I was never on in the day and I got to go and do some shows for the hits they weren't live it was all pre-recorded links but that taught me and started to teach me a, a daytime style I guess and then after that, I uh, kept sending demos out, always sending demos to One Extra, but quite often not hearing anything back. And I sent my demo to uh, Galaxy in Yorkshire. And um, eventually, after a few years of sending them demos, they got back to me one time and said, would you like to come and do a test show? You know, just see how you get on. And uh, yeah, I went and did that. And then luckily, I got a job with them. There was a guy called Brent Tobin who just gave me a massive chance. Because looking back now, there was nowhere. I don't know. I think he just saw potential in me. I, I'd I don't feel like I was any good, really, but I think he could just hear maybe a bit of potential. So I moved to um, Galaxy Yorkshire. And then shortly after that, they they networked a lot of Galaxy stations together. So they used to be local stations, and then they basically changed them so that some of the shows would go out on quite a few stations. Mm. So um, I was really lucky. I think in most of my career, I think timing's been a big thing for me. And it might not be the same for everybody, but I think for me, right place, right time. And most of the things that have happened in my career, it's been the perfect time. And I've just, I feel like very lucky. And um, when I went to Galaxy shortly after I moved, I got a network show. So I was going out on six stations, not one station. And, and it was at nighttime again, but it was a daytime format. So I didn't pick the music. I was getting used to doing, I guess, a more commercial sounding style of radio. And that, I think, is when things change for me because I got to work with other presenters who are amazing. So there's there's a guy that used to do the breakfast show at Galaxy Yorkshire uh, called Simon Hurst, and it was Hursty's Daily Dose, and that's when I really understood how to do radio. He's Him and his team, Hursty, Danny and Jojo, uh, just changed things for me and hearing them just basically having a laugh at work and that I thought, that's what I want to be. You know, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to work towards. Wicked. So you you literally like kept plugging away, and like you yeah. say it's like luck. But if I'm honest, like you're your sheer will as well, because I suppose a lot of people. You said you were giving in demos for a couple of years. A lot of people oh yeah, just totally yeah. Giving one and be like, yeah, that's it, done. So do you think it's the fact that you were quite persistent as well that kind of helped? Yeah, and in a weird way, I never got disheartened if I didn't hear anything back, and I never got disheartened if they said you're not ready. I just took that as, um, yeah, I just took that on the chin and just thought you're right. I need to work harder, and and that's the way I saw it, and. Every no, I saw it as a not now. I didn't see it as a no, never. I saw it as go away and work and come and give us something back again in six months in a year. And that's how it was for me. Wicked. And I suppose that's why you um, 
That's why you 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 always like that. You always like try, try, and try again. Whenever we talk about stuff, you're like, yeah, just give it a try. Mark. Yeah, try it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right, cheers, cheers. <laughs> so that's it. Galaxy, you're out on six shows, uh, six networks at the same time. Yeah. So I take it you were still kind of still kind of had your eye on on one extra because always, always. And my boss at Galaxy knew that. You right. know, Brent, he was totally cool with that, and he knew that that is ultimately where I wanted to end up. Um, I think most of my bosses throughout my career, I bet. If I asked them, they'd say, oh, yeah, you always talked about going to one extra because that's that was the pinnacle for me. That was the if I could, you know, in a weird way, I never thought it would happen. It's not like I was like, oh, I will definitely work there one day. I just thought I'll never give up trying. That's how I saw it. Um, So Galaxy uh, changed into Capital and it was around that time because there was a lot of uncertainty. I didn't know if I would be part of the Capital team because Galaxy was quite naughty and cheeky. And Capital is a bit more family friendly. So I just thought, I'm not sure if I fit into that. So around that time, I sent off another demo to one extra. And again, I just thought I wouldn't hear anything back. And I remember being in, um, when it was changing to Capital, we had this day in Manchester where we all had to go and be in a room and uh, have a talk with Ashley Tabor. And they were explaining the Capital brand to us. And on that day, my phone went off. I looked down and it was an email from one extra. And I just never forget that moment and just like, my heart beating really fast thinking, oh my God, they've replied. You know, I, I just couldn't believe it. And I, in, a, in a horrible light way, and I feel really bad for this, I just sat there through the whole, Capital's going to be amazing, thinking I need to go outside and read this email <laughs> from one extra. Because I was just so excited. And even if I didn't even know that they were going to offer me uh, what they call a pilot where they get you to come in and do a test show, I just thought it was going to be feedback on my demo. I didn't know what it said. And I just had to sit there and it felt like ages. And as soon as there was a break, I just ran out the room and read the email. And they said, we we really liked your demo. We'd like to um, offer you a pilot. And it was just like, that was like, I felt like I'd won the lottery. It was amazing. Awesome. So you hopped on a train down to London. Yeah. Yeah. And went to, oh, it was, it was Yielding House then. It was the old BBC building. Like, what was it like pulling up to this, to this, like, institution of radio for the first time? Like, how did you feel? Oh, it felt amazing. It just was a really surreal part of my life because I just never thought it would actually happen. And going into that Radio One building and, I mean, you've been to Yolding. It's not like the prettiest building, but it was a cool building, wasn't it? Yeah, it, had, it felt like a rabbit wall, warren. It felt like if the walls could talk. Yeah. All sorts of stories, you know, yeah. like all, about all the people that have been on those windy staircases. Totally. And stuff like that. And, yeah. You know, the fact that it was the, the Radio One studios in the basement, it felt really like, it felt like a cool little club. Yeah, it felt exciting to me. Yeah. I, I've been in um, Cream. I don't know if you ever went to Nation in Liverpool and I, I, I was really lucky to go in the Hacienda before it closed. I, I was underage, but I just had to get in there before it closed, you know? Fair enough. And um, it felt like one of those places, like you said, if the walls could talk, it was just like magical to me, that Yolding mm. place. And I'm sure the people who worked there every day they were sick of things being broken maybe, but it felt brilliant. And uh, yeah, just getting to go in there, but to be in there doing a, a pilot f- meant the world. Yeah. And then obviously pilot was good, isn't it? Must have, must, must have been all right. <laughs> must have been all right because you ended up on air. Yeah. So um, what was it like pushing the faders up for the first time on, on BBC Radio 1 Extra? It was the biggest smile on my face. And I don't know if you've ever got this because I know that you've worked at a few different stations. When you first go to a new station, you're worried about saying the old station name. Yeah. With one extra, I never touch wood. Never had to worry about that. I just, it felt amazing. It felt like a dream coming true and you're feeling it happening. You know, sometimes when you kind of awake in a dream, that's yeah. how it felt. It, it just felt amazing. And being, opening that fader, 
covering for CJ Beats. That was my first ever proper show that I did for One Extra and saying, hi, it's Adele on One Extra. Just, ah, yeah, it was the greatest moment. Amazing. I bet you loved it, every minute of it. And then, like, when you got your own show, Mm -hmm. um, you started to add more Adele into the mix, which was wicked. So you had, like, um, what was the feature yours? It was awesome. Brew for two. Brew for two. Was it? (laughs) Like we're having right now. Yeah. Keeping it real. Um, (laughs) What was it like bringing yourself to One Extra and, like, bringing... Yeah, more of yourself on air and such. That's been a really good thing about the BBC and they encourage that. They encourage you to be yourself. And it's not that commercial radio doesn't, but it's a different style of radio. And still to this day, I'm learning about how to bring my personality onto the radio and talk about things in an entertaining way, not a boring way that actually happen in real life. And my first producer, Carol Berry, she was brilliant at helping me bring Brew for Two to life and making me feel more at home on air because something throughout my career that I've I've struggled with and probably has made me take a longer route into radio is just nerves and and doing something like brew for two you just forget that you're on the radio you're just chatting to somebody and you've got something quite familiar in your hand you know so it yeah Carol kind of encouraged that and and she would always talk to me I mean I was like crying all the time and just like I can't do it and shaking I could never eat when I did one extra at first, I can eat now. <laughs> but when, when I first started, I, I, I just used to work myself up and she's like, it's okay, you've done the hard work. And I think probably because of the long journey, I was always frightened that it was going to just stop. Yeah. Even though you might be lucky enough to have a contract and you know that you've got 12 months of a regular show, yeah. which is amazing, you still worry that someone's going to come and take it away from you because it's taken so long to get there. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, so the BBC are very good at just calming you down and also making you not be afraid to be yourself. Cool. And do you think that your experience in commercial radio definitely helped you bring something to the table as well at the BBC? Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Without a doubt, um, just the radio hours. There's, and I'm sure you could attest for this as well, um, doing radio, there's there's no sort of like quick, easy route. You just have to put the air miles in. You just have to keep going again. And if you don't like a show, you dust yourself off, you go back the next day and you try it again. It's like constant just getting it into your DNA. And then by the end, even if you are nervous, there's just things that you'll do on autopilot. It's like driving a car. You won't even realize you're doing it. Uh, whereas somebody new to radio, you have to think about everything, like putting up faders and stuff like that. Yeah. Doing commercial radio for all those years, there was a lot of things that I could do even if i was nervous yeah without thinking about it yeah it's wicked it's like they actually call it driving a desk yeah it's like driving a car isn't it and it yeah. is yeah and when adele says air miles it's nothing to do with getting going somewhere on holiday on the cheap <laughs> it's the amount of hours that you're on air so that's I, I love that journey it's really good especially like like i said it's so cyclical as well like you you saw one extra at the start network x and you followed it and then yeah obviously kicked ass on on one extra and then radio one how did that come into the picture <laughs> Well, I've got my friend Dev to thank for that um, because I think I think this was booked in. I think Dev was going to be having a holiday and Dev's a grafter. What, what I love about Dev is on air, he has, it's all real, but he has this persona and he has this style where you feel like things have happened by accident for him. And he quite openly talks about ropey radio, but Dev is not ropey. Dev is such a boss on the radio and he makes it seem so easy and there's so much stuff that he does and puts in that you won't even realize that he's doing and he's a really hard worker as well so I believe that when he was doing early breakfast not only was he doing that he was doing a uni degree and running a studio I mean he was just spinning so many plates hardly getting any sleep and still smashing it and he never used to take any time off but again luck and timing I was at one extra at the right time for Dev to take a little holiday and the bosses at uh, the BBC, I don't know how this happened, but gave me a chance. Just thought, oh, well, why don't we get a Delta cover dev show? Which, I mean, again, getting that email asking me, do you want to cover dev show on Radio 1? <laughs> you like, as you're reading it, you're like laughing, but kind of like excited. But like, as if, is this really happening? You know, again, yeah. it, it was amazing. And Again, for the BBC, I know it seems like it's an advert for them, but they do push you and they put you in in situations where you feel like you're not going to be able to do it, but you can do it. Yeah. And they know, but you don't know. And uh, obviously I was nervous about it, but I was like, yeah, I, I'd love to try and do Dev Show, you know, the early breakfast show. So at the time I was doing one extra weekends, but I got this opportunity to debt for Dev. Uh, I think it was for a week and one day. And then the night before I was going to start my four o'clock start on the Monday, Jamila Jamil called in sick. Right. And they said, oh, do you want to do a show tonight, Sunday night? I think two hours notice, you could do the request show on Radio 1. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but again, you don't have time to think. You're like, okay, yeah, mm. this is totally fine. I'll do it. And that was my actual first show, Depping for Jamila Jamil, but it was a surprise one. So you were like comfortably nervous for the next day. <laughs> yeah. And then this like curveball just came in and they were like, yeah, by the way, do you want to go in there now? Yeah. <sighs> wow, what was that like in your head? You must have just been like... Oh my god! Like, yeah, I was excited and yeah, yeah. It was it was scary as well because what happened was um, 
when I went to do the show live for the first time, somebody had pressed a button in the studio that meant there was a delay on my headphones. So I don't know if anybody's ever experienced, like maybe on the mobile phone, you're talking, but your voice is coming back to you slightly like a slight second afterwards which yeah. is so off-putting and my first link was me talking really slow like ron burgundy like hello <laughs> <laughs> adele roberts <laughs> it was it felt really bad i mean i'm sure listening back it would have been all right but when you're in that moment you're like oh i can't believe this is my first show on radio one and it's messing up but we changed the button over, changed the settings, and then after that, I could speak normally. But it was really weird. Yeah, these things happen. But yeah. I was getting breasts. <laughs> wow, oh, that's wicked. And um, so you've been at the Beeb now for four, five years now? Yeah, my five first years? show, yeah, started in 2012. Oh, yeah, wicked. Oh, four mm. years now. So mm. out of all that time, what would you say is a standout moment for you in your broadcasting career? What's been the time you've been like, oh my gosh. Apart from every week, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Apart from getting the job and also um, getting to debt, dev i think uh radio one's big weekend um the one i've only ever been to two uh the first one when i first joined the radio one's big weekend in hackney which was a special one because it was a radio one and one extra one shared and then the most recent one radio one's big weekend in exeter because that was my first one experiencing uh, a more traditional radio one big weekend and i think for me i know it sounds really cheesy but it's the listeners really and getting to see the listeners and how they react to artists so it's even better than being in a club because you know when you go in a club and you play records that you play on the radio, how people react to them, that's a nice buzz. But seeing Naz in front of people in Hackney and the way that they react or Trey songs and, the, and, and Nicki Minaj coming out, Rihanna coming out, Jay-Z, it's, it, it is goosebumps. It's amazing. Wicked. Yeah. Wicked. That looks so boss as well. Like, yeah. I, I watched that on the telly. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah, I watched it on the telly. It was wicked. Yeah. Absolutely wicked. Um, so you did loads of DJing. Focused on radio lows. I mean, are you doing more DJing now then? Yeah, a little bit more. When I was at One Extra, I never wanted to mess it up. I always wanted to be ready for my shows and they were at the weekend. So I never used to DJ at weekends when I was on One Extra. Uh, now I've moved to Radio 1 and I've got used to my body clock uh, Monday to Friday being up so early. I do DJ a bit more at weekends now. Yeah. So I'm starting to get out there a bit more. But I feel like the, the game's changed since I started DJing. You know, back in the day when I had to sneak in a nightclub to learn how to mix. <laughs> Nowadays, you can do it in your in your bedroom. Yeah. You know? And there's so many DJs out there now and they're really good at what they do. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think... I don't know how you feel about that. Like, do you feel like there's less gigs now? Like, because there's so many people that are, that can do it. I feel like everybody can access the same tunes. Mm. So we're waiting for that moment to change. So there's that's why it's becoming much more exciting to see producers mix yes. and, do their own, and do their own sets because they can bring something to the table that's never been heard before because they might have a brand new set of tracks well um, or a load of remixes of tracks. Um, and also the cut and paste DJs like, you know, Jagu- Jaguar Skills and DJ Yoda and stuff like that because they just mash up everything. You really don't know what's coming. So, yeah, I think they're, I th- and resident DJ, you know, and also the level of DJing has just gone up. Like, let's, it has. Let's, let's, let's be honest, like there's just loads of great DJs out there that are mixing with records and CDs. So mm. I'm just, I'm just, enjoying still being able to bring something a little bit different to the club in terms of shouting down a microphone while I'm <laughs> so and the good looks yeah and, oh, well, where know, are they gonna get where obviously else that's just that on from? the flyers that's what photoshop <laughs> does but um you know and you as well but I, I, I said it before you're looking really good there, <laughs> thank, thank you <sighs> amazing but, um you're are you still doing speed queen by the way is that still about mm. 
Yeah, it's not uh, regular anymore. Uh, they do one-off parties and they did one th- this year and that was amazing to go back and DJ there because that is the first ever paid DJ gig I had in a club. Uh, there was a lady, there's a lady called Kaz who runs the night with Susie. And again, um, along with timing and being in the right place at the right time, it's people believing in you and you need those people. And Kaz and Susie were the first people to ever pay me to be a rubbish mixer. So thank you very much. I mean, they, they believed in me, yeah. gave me my first shot. And I know it sounds like really bad, but the, back in the day, there weren't many female present, um, female DJs and Kaz and Susie used to put on so many female DJs. They'd, they'd have boy ones as well, but mm-hmm. yeah, things have changed for the better now. There's loads more uh, female DJs, but in those days there weren't. And uh, that's another reason I think why they gave me a chance because I was a young girl and there wasn't many of us in those days. That's awesome. And what and what is Speed Queen? What's it all about? Yeah, it's a, it's a funky house night. They just play gorgeous house music with nice bass lines, nice drums in them. And it's a, a night that welcomes everybody. So definitely LGBTIQ. Everyone's welcome. Loads of drag queens there. Everything's fabulous. It's gorgeous. It's like Studio 54. If you imagine what that was like in New York, it's like that. Awesome. But in Leeds. I like gorgeous house. That needs to become a genre of house, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Gorgeous house. Gorgeous. Oh, you're gorgeous. Oh, gorgeous. <laughs> um, and yeah, like you said, there weren't very many female DJs then. I mean, how do you feel about radio? How's, how's that landscape changed? Because there was a time when there were not very many male, uh, female presenters on yeah. on radio at all. Yeah. So how do you think that's changed? I think One Extra has been a pioneer of that. I think when I uh, was lucky enough to get a chance, I think there was, there's been a lot of good girls that have been brought through. So Yasmin Evans, uh, Ada at the moment, who's uh, killing the breakfast show. She's fantastic. Uh, Jamila, Jam Supernova. Um, trying to think which other girls. Sarah Jane Crawford, like... What an amazing presenter she is. So I, I think that the BBC have done lots of good work to make sure that they reflect the audience that listen to them. Yeah, wicked, wicked. And um, yeah, it's like great to see. I think of, out of all the stations that you listen to, if you look at the lineup, like it's such a good balance. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. for want of a better word, a producer called it a sausage party <laughs> a few years ago. <laughs> Someone pretty high up said that. So, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely not that now. Um, quick one. You're, you're quite the advocate of voting, I found out when looking at YouTube. Yeah. Though. Um I love the fact that you um compared not voting to not voting to like it's the same as letting somebody go and Was it food? Go to the takeaway. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. a food lady. Go to the takeaway and get you food without you asking for what you want. Yeah, I think it's just reminding people that they have power. And I think that I've been around too many situations where people just try and take power away from people and try and stop people and I'm definitely not about that. Mm. And I understand that you might be sitting there and you might think, well, I'm not going to change anything. Well, yes, you are. And I think that I wouldn't be doing my job and I wouldn't be, I don't know, trying to help people like my young nieces and stuff. Like I know loads of young people and even my family, just letting them know that they matter. Yeah. And I think there's too many situations, yeah, that I've been through in my life where people just try and tear you down and try and make you feel like you aren't worth anything. And voting's just a small part of that, even if it's just you to turn up at the polling booth and go i've had my say i'm not letting other people choose how much tax i pay <laughs> you know um letting people choose what my community is going to look like you, yeah. you I, I just want people to know that they do they matter and, and you should use your voice definitely yeah definitely i mean if you want to see adele saying that in a slightly more entertaining <laughs> way you can see you paint what were you painting your face as an animal a tiger. Sort of, a tiger that was could it, you yeah. not tell uh, did I, I fail I think at the end when you said it's a tiger I was like <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, you know, it, as well as being an advocate for voting, uh, obviously you a great advocate of LGBT rights as well. I mean, the documentary that you did for BBC Radio was awesome. Thanks, Mark. How did that, like, how did that come about? Like, was that something that you said, like, I want to do this documentary? Or how do you end up doing documentaries for the BBC? Well, when I first started at the BBC, again, I didn't really realise how um, important doing documentaries was because in commercial radio, they don't really have that outlet. So when I joined, I got to speak to the documentary team and they just explained to me the sort of things they talk to young people about. And I do like the fact that the BBC feel this responsibility and also have this responsibility to take care of their listeners and reflect their listeners. And I just thought, again, when I was younger, I didn't, there might have been gay people on the radio, but I didn't know. And it made me feel like when I was realising that I was gay, that I was the only person, <laughs> that I was the only gay in the village. <laughs> I was the only gay it's person in the whole of Southport. <laughs> and that's how it felt. And it was scary. So I just wanted to stand up again and be counted and just go, do you know what? You might be feeling this way, but it's okay. It's not weird. Don't let people make you feel like you're strange or there's something wrong with you. It's a part of growing up. And, and so um, the, the doc team were brilliant. So I pitched the idea to them. They don't just let you go on. That You have to kind of you know, give them ideas and tell them how you want to do it. And I just thought, I'll just go on and explain what it was like for me coming out. And that might help some people. So that, that's why I did it. And the BBC let me do it. And it was, a uh, yeah, I'm just really proud of that. Cool. Well, we're not watching the documentary now or listening no. to it. Um, what was it like coming out for you? Um, I was a bit... <laughs> I, I wish if if I could have gone back and, and done it again, I would have done it differently. And I think I would have um, been more honest with my mum and dad. Um, in a weird way, I think they know me so much. They made me and they know the sort of person I am. And I think they probably knew I was gay. But until I say it, it's not true. So everybody can just ignore it. And again, times are so much better. And I think that if I was a young person coming out now, it would be easier, which is brilliant. Uh, but back in the 90s, it was a scarier place. And again, there weren't many famous people that were gay. So it was still a bit of a weird thing. And my mum and dad, I don't think know many gay people. And I feel like if they, if you said the word gay to them, they'd be like Elton John. Martina Navraslova, you know, that, that's it. That was, it. that was a level of it. And so in my actual life, so when I was at university, I was always out. And I, in a weird way, I never had to come out. It was just, I was just myself. Whereas to my mum and dad, I didn't say anything to them. And I went on a TV show, a really high profile TV show called Big Brother. And I was just myself in there. Um, and that's when they kind of found out. I feel like they knew already, but they just saw me on TV openly talking about the fact that I had a girlfriend. And talking to my dad after that TV show, I, I did feel bad. I should have told him. I should have respected him more. And, and also realized that i mean because he's cool he's he's never had a problem with it and i should have given him more respect and understood that he's my dad i know him and i'm his daughter and i should have given him a bit more yeah a bit more respect and realized that he would have been okay with it um so yeah i i, I wish that i'd have told them before i went on big brother yeah i mean i know even though it's not something that you sh technically you know i don't have to sit down and explain declare to my it mom. yeah like, by the way mum, i'm straight like <laughs> I, I get i get what you I, I get that but like it's kind of that sort of conversation that it's a big one that you kind of want to have with your parents. You know, yeah. you know when you have those sort of milestones in your life, you kind of mm -hmm. want to discuss it with someone. So, yeah, I get that. And what's it been like being openly gay in radio for you? I mean, you you seem like you've been smashing it, like no problem to you at all. But has there been any parts of it that you've been like, oh, you know, this could be a bit better? Or 
I, I feel really lucky. Everybody's been really cool about it. But I think it's because, again, since I've been an adult, I guess over 18, since I've been to university, I've always been open about who I am. I think it might have been different if I'd have maybe not told people or been... Not that you should have to declare it, because I think you're right. It's not something that you have to tell people if you don't yeah. want to. But I think it helps if you do. Um, and, I, and I've worked with people who've been gay or maybe transgender and didn't feel like they could come out at work and especially on the radio. Um, I think, again, things are changing for the better, but I, I can't speak for those people, but it makes me sad that I've worked with people that feel that way. Yeah. Um, also, some of them have been male as well, so I don't know if there's, it's different for men and women. I don't know if the reaction's different, but I've definitely worked with people who've struggled. Yeah, I feel like in theatre and TV, it's much more commonplace and it's yeah. a bit like, yeah, whatever, but in radio, it doesn't really seem like something that's discussed. So is no. that something that you'd like more light shed upon so that there is this sort of, this stigma sort of gets dissolved? Well, I, I just more feel like if, if Grimmy can be totally comfortable with being gay and Scott Mills can and I can and, and all the other amazing presenters around the country can, it will just make it easier for those younger people coming in just to go, just be themselves right from the start. Um there's a guy that I, I used to work with who uh, he never used to be out on the radio and now he is. And, and that is the change I want to see. But I, I'm definitely not one of those people that feels like you have to force people to talk about the private life because, you know, I've got some straight friends that have children and don't talk about the children. So I understand some people might want to keep things private and I, yeah. I get that. But I think the more of us that are visible, the better. Definitely. And do you think it's easier to come out now, nowadays, than it was when you were younger? Compared to age? when I was younger, yeah. definitely. I think there's still more work to do. But, um, I mean, One Extra's audience did not get any sort of backlash from that. They were amazing. And um, Radio 1 as well, the documentary ended up going out on Radio 1. And, and that makes me feel so proud. Yeah. And do you think we need some more LGBT role models as well that will help sort of keep things like that? Yeah, yeah, just as, as many people that feel like that inside, um, just be yourself because that's why people love you. You know, you, you'll have friends. Um, I don't know, how, how do you think you'd feel, you know, if like someone you'd known for ages came out as gay? Would it be a if, problem? If they'd said stuff to sort of lie mm. and pretend that they weren't or whatever, you know, speaking about their other half, you know, as, True, as yeah. a female or a male instead of, whatever yeah then i'd i'd feel a little bit like they didn't trust me i just yeah. feel like a bit of space between myself and them yeah like, oh you don't want to you don't want to fair share enough no you understand you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. it's, um i don't know I, I don't know i feel like it's it's i'm so unfazed by stuff like that i'd be like wait were you hiding that for i don't know i probably after thinking about it, i'd be like what's you being silly for mate like, yeah whatever do you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. it's not like for example when we first met you weren't like hi i'm a del- i'm a del- i'm gay <laughs> yeah. so you know got a girlfriend right you didn't do that <laughs> no. like, i think you just had a normal conversation you spoke about you know your other half at the time and i think you said the word she instead of he i don't remember when or where it was because it, yeah. it was just like a whatever conversation but i think more people are just like that just matter of fact about it then yeah i suppose I suppose things would be better but we can't all think like that you know, unfortunately <laughs> um so yeah delman I, it's just it's just good to see someone like yourself who's always sort of keeping a positive spin on everything that you do like and it's like even when you approached that situation it was it wasn't kind of like shaming anyone or saying this is what you should do you just kind of came in like hey this is this is what I do it's how I am is this something that just comes resonates from you inside are you just always as positive about stuff or no um I think that a big changing point and a, and a big mirror held up to myself was the experience that I got from Big Brother 
Um, I think the sad thing is, in a way, and I, and I say this to my girlfriend quite a lot, I've never been the same since that situation. I'll, I'll just explain a little bit behind the reasons that I went on Big Brother. Um, in 2001, I lost someone that was very close to me, and it just, oh, just broke my heart, changed my world, made me see everything really differently. And, and this person was like a mother to me, uh, means a lot to me. And uh, it happened really suddenly as well. And it was around that time, it was just after that, that I saw an advert for Big Brother. And it was just more of a, I just didn't want to waste my life. I didn't want to not take chances. And it, it's really strange, again, timing. You know, um, the, the person uh, passed away at the end of October and then I saw an advert probably in November, the start of it. So it's probably like two weeks since, you know. So mm -hmm. you're still still mourning, you're still feeling really like sad. And um, with Big Brother as well, it's a strange thing. So you, you send off an application form, you don't think about it. And after a certain point, Big Brother chooses you. It's it's a weird thing. And they'll just kind of get in touch and go, oh, do you want to come and see us in London? Or do you want to come to this next bit? Mm. And that's how it happens. And before you know it, you're on the show. So that's how it was in my days, you know. And, and because I was thinking about other things at the time, I'd just be like, oh, this is weird. They, they want to see me again. And I'd go and see them. And the whole Big Brother experience was was strange for me. It was weird for me. It was something that I didn't want to take into my career, though, coming off the show. So that's why I don't really talk about it much because I never wanted to be that person off Big Brother. I just wanted it to be like a bit of my life that happened and something that I learned from. And I think since Big Brother... I've never been the same since, but I think it's because of losing that person that was close to me. That's what's missing inside me. Big Brother just came after it. But also I learned that if you've got a problem with somebody, it's your problem, it's not theirs. And and that's like what I learned from that show. And also just to realise all the sort of rubbish things about me. And, and it's a really weird place that they put you in as well because um you know what music's like and you know how music makes you feel you don't get music in the big brother house you, you can't read you, you're not allowed to have papers you don't have a sense of day you don't have clocks they put you with people that they know are going to antagonize you and so it is a really weird bubble that you're in and and i was in there for like six weeks and at the time this series only lasted eight weeks as well so i was there near the end really but it was just a really weird time in my life, and but I learned from it. And, and after I came out, I didn't want to do the whole Big Brother thing, didn't get an agent. A lot of the people that went on the show did that, and, and that's fine because that's what they wanted to do. But I just went back to Southport, back to DJing, what, what I knew. And also going forward, just try and be a, I don't know, just try and have a more positive outlook on life and just... I don't know, just keep moving forward. You know, that, that's kind of like what it did to me. And sounds it, like a really interesting experience that yeah. changed you really. So, you know, it did, as much yeah. as, you know, you're not like the biggest fan of it, I presume like that. Yeah. Time. Don't, but, don't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it must've, um, no, I mean, it's a fan of that time in, of, of your oh, life. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's kind of been something that's shaped you and made you into the person you are. So you must be kind of grateful for that experience in a way. Cause it helped you sort of get that clarity, right? Totally. Without a doubt. I, th I think that, you know, it's given me the best thing in my life, uh, which is, I feel like it led me on my path to my girlfriend it also has given me an amazing career. But at the same time, I just feel that loss of that person still. And that's something that I'll just have, you know, for the rest of my life. That's just the way it is. I understand, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've tried to use it for good. <laughs> oh, you definitely yeah. have. You definitely have. You're, yeah. you're a lovely person, Adele. And um, 
if I'm honest, I, I do do a little bit of research. So I did a little yeah. bit of Googling around and, yeah. and, and it does pop up. <laughs> like, and can I just say, there were some cracking outfits in Dell. Oh my gosh. The outfits. Um, there were some white boots. There was an all white ensemble that I saw that. And because it was really? from 12 years I don't ago, remember. I, it, I just saw a lot of white. It was, it, was, it, was, it was an old SD. It was like standard definition, old school TV for yeah. HD. I, I saw an outfit. And I was like, wow. Is it like uh, Craig David? Would Craig David wear it? It was something like Janet Jackson would wear. Oh, okay. I'll in take that, that. In that Buster Rhymes video. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gonna make, gonna make, gonna make, gonna make your body. Yeah. Gonna make your body wear. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I was like, yes. Oh, man. Uh, good times. I mean, so you... you <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just remember looking at it and going, pause. Wow. You see, this at is the 90s, thing outfits this, the early 2000s yeah this is the thing i will not google my name that is one thing i can tell you now i will not do that because i don't want to see what comes up no no thank you and and targets told me a couple of things that come up and i don't want to know just yeah i don't Les- need to know lesson to be learnt there yeah i'm gonna yeah. speak for adele here is sometimes the most flamboyant outfits that you wear <laughs> probably are ones that you shouldn't wear in front of any type of camera or snapchat or instagram just you know that's why I keep it so boring nowadays. My haircut, I'm like short back and sides, one on the top <laughs> yeah. every single time. I don't look at a picture of me in 10 years time with like some of your blonde streets popping out of, uh, yeah, none of that. Um, so, <laughs> so you're kicking ass on the radio side of things at the moment. Like you're having a great time. You've done some documentaries, dipped your toes in that. Like, like what can you see yourself doing now? Do you want to do more doc work? Do you want to do some visual work and stuff? You've got, Got a white boat, haven't you, Adele? Yeah. Right, <laughs> that, is that what that means? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, I have. Got a good boat race. <laughs> yes, I have. Great boat racing. Sorry, um, I was just learning the lingo then. Yeah. Right. Um, you got a good boat race, love. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a hard one because I feel like I've overachieved. Like, one extra was all the, always the dream. Mm. And to still be in that building now, four years later, I am buzzing. So, But again, the BBC push you and they're always like, right, what are you going to do next? And um, I don't, I don't have the answer. I don't know. I, I think that's something I need to work out. Um, I'm really enjoying early breakfast at the moment, but I feel like I need to find the next step, really. So, I really, honest to God, don't know. I really don't know. Maybe a show where you can get a normal night's sleep. That yeah, would be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like two, four hour sleeps. What yeah. about TV side of things? Do you think you'd go back to that? Obviously, we spoke about your first experience in television, but that would be vastly different to what you're doing now. Well, I think that's what sort of um, tainted it for me. I think that that whole Big Big Brother thing, I just don't like cameras and I don't like... And that's the weird thing because in Big Brother, you can't really see the cameras. Mm. You you can in a sense because they... I think they've got like 80 around the house, but you can't really see them. They Mm. they, uh, disguise them as uh, bits of furniture or they they don't really stand out. It's not like you can see a cameraman. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm just not into it. I don't... I'm nervous enough on the radio, never mind the camera. I don't know what it is about it, but I just, uh, I'm no good on Snapchat or anything like that. Even if you notice on my Snapchat, I'll rarely be in it mm. uh, because I just don't like it. Okay. And I don't know if it's Big Brother or I just don't know if I just don't like it. I like Snapchat. I like showing people what I can see, but I don't like being in them. So what do you like to do to kill some time, Adele? We do have a brother podcast, which we call How to Kill an Hour. So yes. we'll share this with the listeners. I like well. it. Yeah. 
Um, at the moment, I'm really getting into box sets because doing early breakfast, you kind of have to catch up all the time. So you rarely watch live TV. You'll always yeah. be catching up. So Thank God to on demand. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So love House of Cards, but I've rinsed all that. So all these things are finished now. So I'm kind of finding new stuff to watch. So House right. of Cards, Orange is the New Black. Right. Finally got onto Breaking Bad because Target said to me, uh, DJ Target, who works at One Extra, if I don't watch it, he won't be my friend. So I watched it. <laughs> um, what else have I been watching? Uh, oh, I love I love the BBC iPlayer. So that often helps me go to sleep at night. And I love the science bit. So going back to science again from when I was younger. Always watch the sky at night. Um, always watching stuff on like Einstein's theories and the Drake equation, which is quite funny because we know Drake, the rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the Drake equation is about the possibility of life in the universe. So um, yeah, I love science stuff. Uh, what else do I do? And then just sleeping and eating. That's the other things that I do with my time. So watching TV, love TV. I love watching it, but I don't want to be on it. And uh, eating and sleeping. Fair enough. What is the update on the on the Drake equation at the moment? No, yes the, or no? They still don't, yeah, <laughs> they still don't have the answers. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- there's two different schools of thought, really. Some people think there are, there is alien life. Yeah. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know, there's... There's this stat that comes up quite a lot in these documentaries, and this blows my mind. And I learned this at university because I did an elective on astronomy. And if you imagine a handful of sand and how many grains of sand are in that handful, and then think of all the beaches on Earth and how many grains of sand are in those beaches, there are actually more stars in the universe than the grains of sand on Earth. So that's well. how vast the universe is. And then if you think about every star, yeah. it usually has planets. So that is how big the universe is. So I'm sure there's some life out there somewhere. So your team, yes. <laughs> I think so. It's like yes. logical, don't you think? Yeah, it makes but sense. It you makes couldn't sense. even count all the sand on Earth and then there's more stars than that. Right. So yeah. What about food joints at the moment? Where are you recommending at the moment? Where's where's good? You see, I only, pick... only pick one, Adele. Oh, okay. <laughs> I right. go for one. <laughs> all right, okay. She took out a big list. <laughs> it's going back in the pocket now. <laughs> ADOT's good at putting me onto places. So if I have to go for one, I'm going to go for Big Easy. Big Easy. Yes. Been getting a lot of big talk, Big Easy. Let, oh, has let's it? Talk. Let's, let's put, it, put it in the frame. What is Big Easy? Okay, ADOT told me about this place. And it's, uh, I think it's like, a, 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 imagine South America. Mm. A little shack like that in Chelsea on Kings Road, <laughs> which is really <laughs> random. But once you walk in, it's like walking into the deep south. And they do ribs. They do pulled pork. They do... Um, they probably call them shrimps, but prawns that are like cats, <laughs> massive, like huge. Mm. And um, they do uh, different themed nights. And on a Monday, it's the big pig gig and you can eat as much as you can muster. And uh, they do chicken as well, barbecue chicken. And you can just keep going back for more and more and more. That's on Mondays. On Mondays. When are we Getting going? Them, I know. <laughs> yeah. Unlimited meat. Yeah, let's, unlimited. Do, let's do this. Let's I know. Do this. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, also, one more before we go. I think you've dropped loads of knowledge uh, for listeners if or a listener if they want to be a broadcaster. But have you got like one key bit of knowledge you just like to hand over to someone who's like, let's think of the 15-year-old Adele yeah. that loves music. Like, What would you tell them if they want to get into broadcasting? Can I have two? Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't hide yourself. Be the person that your friends know and love. And then the second thing is, in terms of radio, don't be disheartened by the no's. Just take them as a not now. Keep working and go back again. How inspirational was that? And Adele is actually that lovely all the time. She's like lovely 24-7, not a bad bone in her body. This has been another episode of Marcus Meets. Thank you very much for making your way all the way through the episode. 
Um, this show is produced and hosted by myself, Marcus Bronzy. Thank you to co-producers Billy Wright, Shane Powell, David Shawcross. Special thanks to Milo Fisher, Kyle James, Wide Awake, a.k.a. CJ Beats and Jordan Crisp for the strings, intro and outro music. You can listen to Marcus Meets via iTunes podcast on Apple devices or Acast, which works on every single phone that is smart. If you are unsure what will work with your device, head to marcusbronzy.com slash meets, M-A-R-C-U-S-B-R-O-N-Z-Y dot com slash meets to listen to us any way you desire. Marcus Meets is made just for you, so we would love to hear what you think of it, as well as pushing the subscribe button and giving us a rate and review, which we absolutely are so thankful for because it helps us to get some more ears. If you'd like to show us a little bit more love, if you want to, no pressure, uh, you can become a patron of Marcus Meets, and in return for a small donation of your choice, we will give you early access to episodes, bonus content, and a whole heap of greatness. You can do that by going to marcusbronzy.com forward slash thank you